I love your notes. Yeah, don't spoil my notes. That's my main point of the whole uh, conversation. <laughs> FYI, well, Kevin's notes say, quote, Ricky Bobby, Talladega Nights. Yeah, just wait, it's coming. I, there will be a moment where I use that quote. And I'll fake laughter. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's do it. I'm Steven. And I'm Kevin. In today's episode of the Steven and Kevin Show, we're gonna talk about how to respond to, I already have a financial advisor. Hello everyone and welcome back to episode 82 of the Stephen and Kevin show and today we're going to talk about a scenario that is around social prospecting. Yeah, as you're out there, we hope socially prospecting. You're going to run into some people who aren't willing to move forward with you and they have reasons. <laughs> we're not going to say they're stalls or objections because... Concerns. Yeah, they're just, they're reasons. Sometimes they're just legitimate reasons why they're not wanting to engage you. And that's okay. We want to talk about how to respond to some of those, particularly today. We've got one in mind. I already have an advisor, one that you get pretty often, I'm sure. Now, if you like today's podcast, you should really consider signing up for the Oxley Learning Center, right? It's an, an online tool with a number of different video courses, and we do a lot of sales skills training in there specific to you know topics just like today, like responding to, I already have an advisor, or I don't work with friends, or why should I work with you, or when someone ghosts you. So we give you a lot of specific examples, just like we're going to give you today. Yeah, because... You can talk about the blocking and tackling of, of marketing, and you could say, well, technically, when you're out there and you're around wealthy people, there are times when you should ask them for the business. But the way in which you ask and the way in which you respond to their responses makes a huge difference in how you're perceived and how much business you close. So today, let's go through this hypothetical. Let's say that I'm the financial advisor and I'm out socially prospecting. I've got my size. <laughs> Sounds like I'm out on the prowl here. I'm wondering how you're going to position me here. Let's say Kevin is uh, a, a well-to-do business owner, very respected in the community, and I want to have his account. So uh, let's say I, I see Kevin at a social function and I say, hey, Kevin, hey, I've been meaning to talk to you about this. I know we've never had the chance to talk professionally. I'd love to take you to lunch and see if we could help. And I say, I already have a financial advisor. So how do you respond to that specific scenario, right? We're gonna now, look at some do's and don'ts. Yeah, we're gonna right? go through don'ts first, like what you do not do. And um, yeah, I, th I, think, um, I think that there's been some, some classic sales training in the past that is something that we, we don't want you to do. Oh my gosh, you know, in preparation for this call, I went on and I just, I like seeing what else is out there. So mm -hmm. I type into a Google search, uh, overcoming objections. Yeah. And I knew before I even hit submit that you were going to get a list of things that were terrible. I had no aspirations of finding really good answers there. Yeah. We have some good answers for you. I had no aspirations of finding them on the web because there's so much poor training around this area. Mm -hmm. And almost all of it is labeled as how to overcome objections, how to get beyond this stuff. And what happens when we try to overcome and steamroll and push through is that we paint ourselves with a very salesy brush. Exactly. So. Yeah, that, that's a big don't is we don't want you to try and overcome this. Now, a classic overcome is 
Well, if you could change, well, here, here's one that we actually heard from a workshop. We were down in Miami recently presenting, and we, we throw this out to the audience, and one advisor said, well, I would say, what's one thing you like about working with that person, and what's one thing you don't like or you would change if you could? Again, if, if, you're, if I'm Mr. You know, big Prospect here, right, and you're, you're saying that to me, I'm thinking, what are you trying to suck me into? Well, right? I think, yeah, I think if I'm the advisor and I try that on Kevin and I really try to probe into, you know, I'm going to needle him a little bit. Yeah. Well, what do you like about him? What do you not like? What is, what is one thing you'd like to change about him? Right. I can bet. Now, Kevin, number one, is not going to change his mind all of a sudden. What are the odds that Kevin in that scenario goes, oh, yeah, you know what? He really hasn't been in contact with me a whole lot. I do, I do want to change that. Maybe I'll reconsider. Let's get together and have a meeting. Like that is small chance. That is not freaking happening. Yeah. All right. And what's what's almost guaranteed to happen is that Kevin's going to dodge me going forward. Yeah. Kevin knows that I'm this guy that has the tendency to ask questions that put him on his heels. And guess what? We dodge people like that. Yeah. We don't like talking to people like that. No. So. Nobody likes to be made feel uncomfortable. And when I'm probing into your financial life and the relationship you have, which is very personal with your financial advisor, I'm making you feel uncomfortable. Right. Right. That's a big no. So like we we don't like that. We don't. We actually don't try to overcome this. Um, the second thing that we don't like is to discredit the person. So you find out who they work with and then you start saying, well, they don't do all of this. They don't do comprehensive planning like we do, right? Or you know, it, it, or you it, offer some subtle slaps. Right. Like, uh, oh, you work with, with him? Like, he's, <laughs> he's still in business? Or how'd you end up, well, like, really? Oh, really, yeah, yeah it's exactly. Like, no, you, you in no way have to, to try to belittle the competition or discredit the competition here. When you do that, though, what you're doing is you're basically insulting me and my decision-making, right? Yeah. Because I decided to work with that person. You work with him. Ha! So then I don't like you that much, right? Because I feel like you are belittling me a little bit. Yeah, okay. exactly right. So when we're thinking about don'ts, we're not trying to work around this. We're, we're really trying to, to not... Uh, you know, to not leave it awkward, more yeah, or less. So let's right. say in this scenario, Kevin's probably somebody that I know from uh, you know our family seeing each other at the pool, or Kevin's somebody I know from the golf course, or through our kids' sports teams, or through something like that to where this isn't the one and only time I'm going to see him. Right. Like if Kevin was somebody that I met on an airplane, let's say I'm flying first class back from Miami and I meet Kevin, and uh, I'm thinking, you know, I'd like to have him as a client. In that situation, maybe I'm a little bit more aggressive. Maybe I'm like, hey, talk to me a little bit about it. What do you well, like about this? Because it's going to be a Maybe. one and done. Right. It's yeah. one and done. There's no chance I'll see this guy again. Uh, in 99% of other prospecting scenarios, though, this is somebody I'm going to see around town more than once, and I want to leave with the utmost professional uh, appearance, presence. Yes. So let's talk about some do's then, right? Some oh, yeah. I didn't prepare for that part. <laughs> <laughs> Just don'ts, right? So the do's <laughs> aspect of this, and one thing we want you to think about is that um, a prospect who's working with a competitor is a blessing in disguise, right? And here's what we mean by that, is that one, they obviously, you know, probably qualify to work with, they work with a professional, right? So they probably have the means to do business with you. Two, they value paying for that type of advice. That's a good thing, right? It's not the classic do-it-yourselfer, which when you take a look at Oxley research is almost impossible to turn around at this point. Um, so that's a good thing, right? So we, we, we see it as a positive and we want to leave everything on a positive note. Yeah, absolutely. We're not looking for this, this miracle of a situation where I meet somebody who's got a lot of money, who really values having a financial advisor, just never has really reached out to one. Mm -hmm. That does not happen a whole lot. Right. And, and you all, I'm sure, can relate to this, that most of the people that you bring on as clients, uh, 
unless you got them right out of some of their first uh, jobs and they, and they started having some savings to invest, they probably came from another financial advisor. Yeah. And your next clients will too. If they have any kind of significant wealth, they're probably already working with someone. Yeah. To Kevin's point about our research, we found that 25% of the affluent were in some ways do-it-yourselfers. And maybe that number shifts over time, but that's not a group that we're really trying to target. We want people who have we want people who have advisors. Yeah, I don't remember exactly like the number one reason. I think one of the one of the top reasons though that they would consider hiring an advisor, a classic do-it-yourselfer, was that they became like too ill or you know to do it themselves. Yeah, right? it was it was all things along those lines that I, yeah, I'd want a backup plan in case I pass or if right. I became too ill. It was yeah. not you know very few of them said, well, if I start managing it poorly, there's a lot of ego involved there. Yes. So really, when I find out you've got an advisor, I say that box is checked. They value paying a significant amount of money for professional services like me. Mm -hmm. And here's one other thing that we want to find out. We'd like to really find out who they're working with. Yeah, and, and, and um, we got this from an advisor at a different workshop. <laughs> Stephen and I do a lot of presenting together and this advisor said, one of the things I always do is I just say, hey, great, who are you working with? And he said, sometimes it tells you a lot about that relationship when they a lot of times can't remember their name like right off the bat, right? Or, um, oh, it's someone over at um, the office of uh, so-and-so or like, and it just, it, it's pretty telling. So yeah, you, you want to find out who it is. <laughs> yeah, I think it's going to be telling in one of two ways. Either they're not, you know, not as well-versed with who this person is. Yeah. Maybe it's uh, a robo-solution of sorts. Or if they do have the name on the tip of their tongue, which is also very, very common, mm -hmm. it tells you a lot about what they value, who they're working with, and yeah. what quality of advice they're giving. You can tell if they reel off the name of a competitor who you just know for a fact. You've reviewed it. You've taken on enough of their clients over the years that you know for a fact they do a lousy job. Right. Jackpot, right? Right. That's somebody that you want to stay in front of. If you know it's somebody who is a good competitor of yours, that's okay as well. But we do we do want to know the answer to that. So that's the first question is basically, um, if you don't mind me asking, who are you working with? And the second question we like to ask is, how did you end up working with them, right? If they say, well, it's actually, it's my brother-in-law. Well, that's telling too. Like, are they going to switch working from a family member to you at some point? Yeah, I, yeah. I think that's interesting. You know, you might find out uh, the nature of the relationship. Yep. Um, and I think inflection really matters on that one. Yeah. To where it's not, how'd you end up working with them? Yeah. That, you know? That's right. It's like, oh yeah, how did you how did you guys end up working together? Or like, or yeah, how did you meet them? Right. Or how'd you get in touch with them? Yeah, exactly. It's like you're asking somebody out on a date and when they come back and they say well i'm actually seeing someone yeah and you ask in response well oh, really any anybody i know who are you you seeing oh really oh <laughs> Uh, <laughs> right. Okay. Um, exactly. How did that happen? Yeah. Right. That's you, right. Your inflection matters there. Your inflection matters here. And what we're trying to do is really leave the door open and keep ourselves in second place. And we've said it before, and we'll say it again. Second place is not a bad place to be in an industry where the succession planning sucks in a lot of ways. Right. Mm -hmm. Where you have people who, yeah, in some cases, don't provide the best level of service to their clients. Right. You've got people who are willing to move. Right. For some, it's not a lifetime relationship with a financial advisor because, you know, hey, the advisors by nature, you know, by averages um, are, are an older bunch. Um, some of them retire without a great succession plan. So being in second place with somebody is not a bad place to be at all. Yeah, that's contrary to the famous, you know, Ricky Bobby, who says if you're not in first place, you're last uh, from Talladega Nights. But um, 
good one. Thanks. I was working on that one. I've been I, I happened that to notice in, uh, before the show that that was the only note you had written down on the printed hey notes man, that we have. I do a lot of preparation, and I know that you're going to say that. But the, I, the quotes say Ricky Bobby, and I'm thinking, I, I don't know where this is coming come on. in. Hey, come but, li- but listen, I, I, just to make your I, – I love your point about it, though. Like second place actually isn't a bad place to be, and I think most advisors would say, oh, no, that's not true. But look, you're right. You know, things change. Markets go down, right? People, you know, you know, service changes. People become unhappy with service providers. And if you leave this on really good footing, you might be the one that they call up next and say, hey, by the way, I, I did want to kind of chat with you about that. Yeah, exactly. And there's no perfect script for any of this stuff. We gave you two questions, and you might not always use those two questions. I mean, the first being, if you don't mind me asking, who are you using? Yeah. Um, that one you can almost always use. The second question you'd use only if uh, the situation were right and you didn't feel like it would be too intrusive to say, like, how did that come about? Mm-hmm. Like, only if they come back with really good energy and seem normal about you asking who they're using, yeah. would you come back with a secondary question? That secondary question is it. Like, that's the most you would probe into the nature of their relationship with their advisor. That's mm-hmm. it. And. After that is when you want to leave the door wide open and really position yourself in that second place. Right. So let's say that Kevin, again, is the prospect. I'm the advisor. And I say, Kevin, you know, I'd love to talk shop with you. Are you open to a meeting? And he comes back and says, I already have an advisor, and I'm, and I'm, I'm, re- I'm happy with him. Okay, that's great. You know, uh, who, who, if you don't mind me asking, who are you using? Yeah, Johnny Wood over at XYZ Financial. Okay. Been working with him for a long time. How did you end up with him? <laughs> no, right. no I, at that point, I might say, um, well, that's great. You know, everybody, you know, in our opinion, deserves good financial advice out there. If anything ever changes, you know where to find us. We'd be happy to take a look at how you're positioned. Great, great language there. Now, another key point with social prospecting, when you kind of get... Let's say that I, I kind of turn Stephen down in this regard, right? I'm not really interested right now. And Stephen takes it well, positions himself properly, and we're kind of exiting the conversation. Classic mistake that some advisors make is now I'm dead to Stephen. <laughs> now I see Kevin at the pool. He doesn't care like, about me anymore. He doesn't want to talk to me your, anymore. What was your name again? Yeah, exactly. I'm dead to him, right? And that's, that is a mistake, right? You, you want to continue to build that relationship because, hey, you're in second place right now. And... Uh, at some point, you might be pulling ahead to first. Yeah, exactly right. And what could happen here, what's the fear that a lot of people have when it comes to social prospecting is they don't want it to be awkward. They don't want it to feel like it's been overly salesy. Or ruin relationships. Yeah, exactly right. So if we leave this on really good footing and then thereafter I am completely normal, if not even more friendly with yeah, Kevin, exactly. then I do a big job of like, usually when it's made awkward, when you socially prospect, it's on you, the financial advisor. You make it awkward. I was going to say, because like a lot of times we ask advisors, what's your biggest fear with social prospecting? And it's, I don't want to ruin relationships or ruin friendships. Most of the time, you are the culprit in terms of ruining that friendship or ruining that relationship. Yeah, exactly right. If I approach Kevin, I see him and I'm thinking, you know what, I'd like to have his account. And I ask him for the business. He says no. Yep. And I say, you know, hey, keep me in mind. If you ever need advice, mm-hmm. I'm here for you. If that makes him awkward, I, I'd be shocked. It, right? It's not It's not going to. Right. Yeah. But in my own head, in my own head, yeah. if I'm not careful, I'm thinking, well, now, it's we- now it's weird between I us. I really know. Should it. I invite him to this dinner party we're having or should I say hello to him? No, and don't overthink it. We're just going should. back to being normal. Yeah, exactly. So, so cool. when we're thinking about approaching social context, do it. Do it often. If you need advice on it, check out the Learning Center. We've got a lot of scripting there that's going to help you. A lot of technique makes the difference in execution versus not. And it's 99 bucks a month. What do you have to lose? So thanks for joining, everybody.